Uh, good afternoon, you Monday, July 31st, 2023. It's me, the BBG. Hope you've had a lovely weekend. Thank you for choosing the programme. You can reach out to me during it via the app, send a direct message to the studio, or equally, you may uh, leave a message via the website richieallen.co.uk. Always wonderful to be with you. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Are you watching the cricket while you're listening to me? Well, I am. Well, I'm not really. I'll keep an eye on the cricket. It's all getting very exciting down at the Oval in Kensington. Day five of the final Ashes test of the series. But anyway, there are more important things to discuss. I've got Ryan Christian, the last American vagabond. He'll be with me this hour to talk about uh, news stateside. What a top uh, bloke he is. It's been a while since he was on. Ryan Christian joins me. And a little bit later on, a little bit later on, my great pal Maria Heller will be live from Arizona. That's hour two of Monday's Richie Allen show. And I'm Richie Allen. Yes. How are you? You're all good, you are. You're good. Good. It's going to be a good week. Dr. Jane Dunnigan returns tomorrow. Mark Windows, Wednesday. Nice variety. Mark has published an interesting episode on grifting in the media on Windows on the World. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Yes. Right. Now, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has been talking about the decision to grant 100 new North Sea oil and gas licences. Can you imagine what the activists who are members of the club Just Stop Oil, imagine they must have been crying into their Weetabix this morning when it was announced on Breakfast News that new North Sea oil and gas licences would be handed out by Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Shall we hear a little bit of what he had to say? Here he is speaking to the BBC from Scotland, I think, from Scotland in any case. Here we go. It's really important for everyone to recognise that even in 2050, when we are at net zero, it is forecast that around a quarter of our energy needs will still come from oil and gas. That's why technologies like carbon capture and storage are important. But what is important then is that we get that oil and gas in the best possible way. And that means getting it from here at home. Better for our energy security, not reliant on foreign dictators. Better for jobs, for example, 100,000 supported here in Scotland, but also better for the climate. Because if we're going to need it, far better to have it here at home rather than shipping it here from halfway around the world with two, three, four times the amount of carbon emissions versus the oil and gas we have here at home. So it is entirely consistent with our plans to get to net zero. Yeah. Now, his opponent says that extracting more fossil fuels from the North Sea would send, quote, a wrecking ball through the UK's climate commitments. A wrecking ball through the commitments. We're all going to die in a nuclear climate catastrophe in the future. Anyway, that was Sunak. Here's Jess Phillips, MP for Yardley in Birmingham. She's a Labour MP, Jess Phillips. Very sincere woman. My nose has grown by 14 and a half inches. Here's Jess Phillips talking about what Sunak said. The Labour Party believes that what is right for our planet is also right for our economy, mm. is to be now investing in things like onshore, offshore, wind, solar, carbon capture and storage, etc., rather than looking for uh, basically old technology that 
bear in mind mm. that Rishi said this doesn't come at no cost for the taxpayer. The taxpayer will be subsidising, you know, giant profit-making oil and gas industry in order to get these pipelines. And it, it doesn't mean extra oil and gas into our industry. 81% of our oil goes abroad. Uh, we don't get to decide on uh, exactly where it goes. It's sold on international markets. It doesn't cause any uh, lowering of costs for uh, the consumer here in Britain. Why on earth the government doesn't have a plan on renewables uh, and house uh, insulation that would bring down the cost of UK users and mean that we're not reliant on oil and gas in the future? But, you know, Rishi Sunak is, I suppose it's like the death throes of a government. I, it's a bad idea. The death throes of a government. It's going to be fun when Labour wins the next election, isn't it? No, no, it's not going to be fun at all. Jess Phillips there. I've covered the climate thing so much in the last couple of weeks. I might just leave it alone just for today in any case. It is kicking off down at the Oval. A few minutes ago, Moeen Ali removed. Who did he remove? He took a wicket, didn't he? He took a wicket. Who did he take? He took Travis Head, did Moeen Ali. Then Chris Wokes has taken a wicket. He got Steve Smith, I think. And now Moeen has taken another wicket. Australia are sticks down. It's just absolutely gone bananas down there at the Oval. 274 for six. They want 110 more runs to Australia with four wickets in hand. But Steve Smith, the danger man, is gone. I wish I was watching it, dear listener. But I'm such a professional. I'm sitting here and I'm only watching the text coverage on the BBC. I'm chatting with you. Because I'm, I'm a good boy today. Yes, but I will keep you updated. Keep you updated. Of course, any comments you'd like to make on the climate crisis or anything else, leave them via the app. Download the app. Message the studio instantaneously. It comes right into me screen. Or get on the website, richieallen.co.uk. I don't know if you heard about this. Come here and I tell you, but it kicked off in Cork on Saturday. It kicked off in County Cork. Here's... um. I can't think of her name. Ashling, is it? From Morning Ireland on RTE Radio 1. Cork City Library was forced to close on Saturday. After the library was forced to close. After a group of protesters hung a large banner over the front door, reports said that the protesters wanted books on LGBTQI plus issues removed from the shelves. A counter-protest also took place. We're joined now by the Lord Mayor of Cork, Independent Councillor Kieran McCarthy. Councillor McCarthy, you're welcome. What happened yeah, exactly? Thank you very much. Um, what, I can, what happened exactly at the library on Saturday? Why did it close? I suppose, first of all, can I empathise actually with our own staff in Cork City Council? I mean, they're, they're being involved in, in this, I suppose, very, very unsettling um, afternoon on Saturday. But there's kind of, I suppose... He wanted to empathise, empathise. We, we have a real problem pronouncing our THs in Ireland. As you will know if you've listened to me long enough, I'm in or out, I'm never in between. It's the guy or the guy. I, I just can't get any consistency going. So he wants to empathise with the staff at Cork County Council now um, because very unsettling scenes at Cork Library on Saturday. There is a context to this that a few months ago, a handful of individuals, what I mean like five to six individuals entered Cork City Library and asked for a particular book uh, to be removed in the young adult um, section. So they walked in and said, listen, do us a favour. Would you remove a book from the young adult section? I'm guessing it's a book that is probably inappropriate age inappropriate for young adults. It's probably aimed at kids 
11, 12, 13, and it's probably about very sexy things that kids that age maybe shouldn't be thinking about. And maybe they've come back two to three times. Um, we've asked them to, like, to fill out the complaint forms. There are mechanisms in place. And then on... <laughs> they keep coming back. We don't change the book. We don't remove the book. They keep coming back. And we say, look, there's a complaint form there. Just fill that out and we'll get back to you in, in a time-appropriate manner. Saturday um, at around 12 noon, uh, a set of protesters erected a, a, a huge banner, maybe 10 metres by, by a metre, over the entrance to the library. Uh, and the banner said there are only two genders, male and female. Uh, and then actually staff went out to go, well, you can't actually hang a library, hang, hang a ban- banner uh, on, on, on the library front because it's illegal. And they asked them to take them down. Uh, the staff rang the Gardaí. The Gardaí came out and kind of advised um, the protesters to move on. Uh, but at that particular point in time, I suppose the decision was made by, by Cork City Library in, in association with the Gardaí to close the library for on, on public uh, public safety um, grounds. Well, I think the Gardaí, why exactly? Who did it? Who did it? Who's responsible for the protest to cause the library to close on Saturday afternoon? Exactly. Why do you believe it had to close? Were people afraid for their security? Were they afraid of their lives, were they? Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, look, I mean, there are... Completely. There images online of, of the banner itself. It's, it's a huge banner. Huge, um, big banner. Um, it probably it's probably not, it wasn't secure on the front of the building. Um, and also it's illegal to put a banner on the front of a public building. Um, so you'd be entering... Has under- anybody ever been injured by a banner? The banner is made of what you would imagine banners are made of ordinarily a kind of a material, like like something you'd make clothes out of. So a very soft, drapey type of material kind of a thing like. So there was a, there was fear that the banner wasn't secured properly and it could hit somebody. Underneath the banner. So A, the banner could fall down, but B, like it's illegal to put the banner ah. on the building um, itself. Uh, <laughs> and then we say you had protesters who were, who were milling around the front of the building. So yeah, the decision... This is national news in Ireland. The decision was, was made to close the library. And you're right, you're right, you said, yeah, there was a counter-protest. Uh, but the Gardaí took... Uh, names of the protesters um, and actually move them on. Um, but don't get me wrong, this is really... That's what the Irish Gardaí are brilliant at doing. Ever since I was ever since I was old enough to go out by myself, the Irish Gardaí are hilarious. They're brilliant at taking names. That's what they do, they take names. And what, what would your name there be now? You just give them any name. Give them any name at all you want, you know. Um, I told a guard once, I swear to God, this is true. I was in a bar in Waterford after hours. It was raided by the Gardaí. And they took everybody's name because you're committing some offence if you're in a bar after hours. And a guard looked at me and he said, what's your name? And I said, Martina Hanrahan. And I swear on all that's sacred, not a word of a lie, he asked me to confirm the spelling of Martina. This is before the tranny nonsense now. So I says, M-A-R-T-I-N-A, Martina Hanrahan. And he said, where do you live? And I said, number 17, Priory Lawn, Ballybeg in water, which wasn't my address either. And and he, he told me to get out of the bar. That's They're brilliant at doing this, the Irish Garda, taking names. So they took names at the protest. Really unsettling for staff. And I can tell you as well that on Friday afternoon, one of our branch libraries, Ballyfehan Library, was targeted by, by two to three individuals. And two to three individuals targeted it. Staff there had to lock themselves into their offices. They had to lock themselves in! And Gardaí were called and, and, and the protesters <laughs> moved on as well. So She's laughing. I'm sure she laughed there. This woman from, from Morning Ireland. And, and, and the protesters moved on as well, so... She laughed! Yeah, this is very, you know, it's very unsettling. Yeah, do you have a... She's laughing her ass off. General sense of who is involved in the protest. The ar- I bet you, I bet you it's the far right. You know them, they're terrible, the far right. They're responsible for everything that's bad 
in the world. If anything happens at all, it's the far right, right? Irish Examiner reporting this morning. Who? Saying that a number of far right activists who. You lazy bastard, the far right. Came into the city and were involved. Yeah. What was it? Yeah, I suppose it's not for me to name names. Like, we. It's not for him. The Gardaí took the names. It's not for him to name names now. This is Kieran McCarthy, the Lord Mayor of Cork, if you please. We, we, I mean, from a Cork City Council perspective and the local Gardaí perspective, like we, we we have the names of people. I mean, names have been taken. I mean, there's certainly loads. It's only at times like this that I miss working in local radio. This is the shit I had to listen to for years as a producer of talk radio. This nonsense, like, was, was news. This is all you had, really, as news, you know. There's a video footage going around on Twitter at the moment, kind of showing faces of of the protesters um so yeah i mean i for me i can't name names no and i don't want you to name names but what i'm wondering you just asked them to name names is is it people within cork or is it as the the papers reporting this morning wait for it now she was it the irish far right according to the examiner and now she she puts in well is it the people linked with the british far right as it the british far right now is it have we had an invasion of the british far right in ireland an invasion of british far right twitter personalities who spend their time getting off the ferries rushing to the nearest libraries to terrorize the librarians Oops. Um, I don't have enough information. On I don't that, have so enough information now. I mean, I, I'm, I'm reading the examiner piece as well. I'll just stop. Leave it there. Brilliant. 13 minutes past the hour. This is what we call the silly season. You've got nothing else to talk about because all the politicians have gone on their holidays. And you're left scrambling for anything that resembles news. So a few people turned up to Cork on Saturday, did they? And they hung a banner over the library, did they? A banner made out of sheets or something, like blankets. And it said, there are two genders, male and female, yes? And you closed the library just in case the banner fell and killed somebody, right? Right. And in another part of Cork, three individuals came in and said, we'd like you to remove that book from the young adult section. And the librarians locked themselves into the library because they're in fear of their lives, right? Right? Brilliant. 14 minutes past the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show. Good evening. Welcome to it. Gail says, Richie, we have cows on the road as a news headline down here in Cornwall. Do you know we actually have traffic lights for cows to cross the road in parts of Cornwall? It's better for drivers, really, those cows. Well, says Gail, they are massive. Let's just spend the rest of the show, even when Ryan is on and, and, and Maria, let's just do parochial news for the, for the remainder of the two hours. I want the most mundane, genuine stories from your parish. Bake sales. Car boot sales. I want it all. Send it to me via the website or via my bloody app, the Richie Allen Show app. Yeah. Hi to Brian. How you doing, Brian? He says uh, antibody dependent enhancement and the impact it will have on the vaccinated. Uh, Brian, thanks for that. I will be getting into that on a show uh, real soon. Uh, but thank you. Uh, hi to Alice F. Thank you for the link. Hi to Francis. Who enjoyed listening to the Melodies show yesterday. Thank you, Francis. You're very kind. Hi to Sean. Now, Sean tells me something I am not aware. I haven't been told myself. He says, Dr. Ahmad Malik, who has been on this program a couple of times, and he's been a very good guest, though he has the orthopedic surgeon. Sean reckons that Dr. Malik has had his podcast bank account frozen. He just announced it now. So he has a bank account specifically for the podcast for support presumably and Sean says it's just been announced now. Well sure we know all about that on the Richie Allen show with PayPal and 
all the rest of it. Hi to Kelly Marr. Hi, Kelly. Hi to Len, who says he has seen the police piling into Madame Two Swords on the prom in Blackpool. I'm wondering if it's got something to do with Just Stop Oil. Len says, I worked on security at the Waxworks in Blackpool soon after they attacked the Waxworks in London. I was told to just protect the royal family. Now, that sounds like a gag, Len. But uh, that's good. Thank you. Thank you for that. If it is a gag. Let's go straight back to the Oval. What's going on? It is. Australia are 281 for 7. I've missed another wicket. Who's gone? Stark is gone. Pulled by Chris Wokes. Caught by Zach Crawley. You've got to say only the weather can save the Aussies now. You've got to say. But maybe I'm tempting fate. It's 16 minutes. So it is past the hour. Sonia's been in touch. She says two teenagers were spotted riding on electric scooters giving abuse to drivers in Whitfield in Dover. Sonia, that's exactly the sort of parochial news I want. Thank you. More of it, please. So far, Sonia, gold medal. Teenagers riding on electric scooters annoying drivers in Whitfield in Dover. Get in there. Rob says here in Cleethorpes, we've had reports of some... T-W-A-T, sat on a roof. Good man, Rob. 17 minutes it is past the hour. Great story, that from Cork. This made me laugh, right? And I've had experience of this, dealing with the Greater Manchester Police. I know all about this, right? Only 5.7% of crimes were solved by the police last year. Says who? Well, new figures. New figures from the Home Office for England and Wales. Labour has condemned it as an abysmal record on law and order. So the Home Office data for England and Wales, released earlier this month, revealed the proportion of crimes that resulted in a charge or a summons was (laughs) 5.7%. Yeah, so 94.3% of crimes reported in England and Wales as they don't amount to a hill of beans. Not a hill of beans, dear listener. Plod is as useless as tits on a bull. I know this because I've had, in the last six months, I've had cause twice, not once, but twice, to inform Plod of a crime. Plod didn't give a shite. Nothing has happened. So that's not surprising to me. 5.7% resulted in a charge or a summons. Defending this madness was Andrew Bowie. He's a Tory MP, he's an energy security minister, and here he is in conversation with LBC's Nick Ferrari. Um, While I have the benefit of you on the line, just to take you in another couple of areas, you're probably aware the Labour Party have published figures today pointing to the low solution rate or solving rate of crime, uh, lower than some 6% it is. It comes in at, I think, 5.7%. They describe the Conservative track record of 13 years in government as abysmal. Do you have a response to the Labour Party? Yeah, that's nonsense. You know, uh, recorded well, crime is actually the lowest level uh, in decades uh, under this Conservative government. We've got 20,000 more police officers on the streets uh, uh, under this uh, Conservative government than we uh, had before. And uh, I'm compl- I'm aware that uh, police crime commissioners across uh, England and Wales and indeed the police service in Scotland are looking at ways at which they can actually improve uh, on their record, uh, which I think is a stellar record. And the police have got our full support in doing so. What? What did he just say there? of reported crimes result in a charge or a summons. And he said, (laughs) he said it was a stellar record, did he? He didn't. 
No, we did not say it's a stellar record. Scotland are looking at ways at which they can actually improve uh, on their record, uh, which I think is a stellar record, and the police have got our full support in doing so. Now, hopefully, hopefully Nick Ferrari decapitated this guy. What, a, a 5.7% rate of clearing up of a charge or summons is a stellar record, stellar rate, is it? Yeah, yeah, wonderful. I think the lowest cry, recorded crime rate in decades is a stellar record, Nick. But we're at five. Well, no, it was fifteen point five in twenty fifteen. It's five point seven now. What's stellar about that? Yeah. yeah. What's stellar is the fact we've got the lowest recorded crime rate in the country. No, but I'm talking about. Yes, I'm talking about. He's talking about the crimes that were committed, Mister MP from the Tory Party. They're such a shower of shit, aren't they? Politicians in general. You know, rather than answer the question he's being asked, which is, of all the crimes reported, only 5.7 resulted in a charge or a summons. The guy says, well, um, the, the, the crime rate, in terms, of, in terms of people reporting crime, that's actually come down. Recorded crimes are on the way down. It's not what I asked you. Dreadful. Nonsense. Crimes that are solved or results in a charge or summons. Of course, there are always going to be areas uh, in which the police can do better and solve more crimes, and we're going to be supporting them in doing so. And I know the Home Secretary and the Secretary of State for Justice, you know, this is one of their top priorities. But at the end of the day, we have to remember that cr the crime rate is at its lowest level for decades, and we've got more police on the streets. That oh, God. Let's go back to the local news. You have raised the bar. I threw down the challenge, and you have responded. And you're so good, I've got to give you a news bed. This is good stuff. Linda's up first. Linda. Local news, Richie. A local cat that was missing for two weeks has now turned up. Phew. What a relief. Thank you. Wiz has been on to say there was a pile-up on the local high street in town yesterday. Two dogs crapped in the same place. Brilliant stuff. Coco says, Liverpool news. Hole appears in the road. Police are looking into it. Very good. Spotted man wanted for questioning. Dean has been on to say, it's got nothing to do with the news. Thank you, Dean. Len says it was a true story as they poured something over the Queen at the Waxworks in London. We need some bloody local news, folks. Max says from the Liverpool Echo, man arrested in Travel Lodge says he was embarrassed by calls to Babe Station Andrew Mayers. 46 was caught offending yet again only two weeks after being released from prison. Brilliant. Fantastic. John says we have a vehicle seized after it reversed into a supermarket car park in the Bolton News. And we'll give the last word to Janie, who says, basically says, Janie, I'm loving your new app, Richie. I'm loving your new app. Lovely. Thank you, Janie. This is Monday's Richie Allen Show, the most listened to independent news radio show in the world. Good afternoon to you. Good to be with you. Thin Lizzy dedication, the Richie Allen Show, 26 minutes past the hour. Russell has been in touch. Hi, Russell. Two local Harvard... I can never say this. Harvard West men were apprehended after stealing jelly and ice cream from a kiddie's birthday party. They are currently being held in custody. Get in there. I'll take that. Gail says, uh, and she sends me the link to, uh, speaking of Cornwall, Land Rover left stranded on Cornish Beach. It's so much more exciting that news than the news I brought you about the climate crisis, the climate catastrophe. Uh, Ryan Christian will be with me shortly. Maria Heller a little bit later on. Monday's programme. It is the silly season. There's not a lot more I can tell you about anything, really. Uh, apart from this, because uh, we, we never get tired of this, the, the culture wars. Yes, the NHS, Health Education England, 
Health Education England is a quango. Don't ask me to explain quango. Look it up, right? And it trains NHS staff in things like diversity and whatnot. Now, it has recommended, it has written to the NHS saying that staff should declare their preferred pronouns each time they encounter a new patient. That's the Health Education England Training Guide. Why? Well, if you share your pronouns the minute you meet a patient for the first time, you will create the safe space for people who identify as transgender or non-binary, even though you're unlikely on any given day to encounter a transgender or non-binary person. They do exist. Transgender people are are real. Non-binary people are attention-seeking idiots, right? I think we'd, we'd kind of agree on that. Yes, and apparently Health Education England, which tells the NHS how staff should behave, has recently received a gold award from the LGBT charity Stonewall for its diversity policies. I find this very strange because this year, the year of our Lord 2023, haven't a number of public bodies retreated at a thousand miles an hour from Stonewall? Hasn't nearly every public body and its sister associations, haven't they all basically divested themselves of Stonewall? I'm pretty sure that's been happening, yeah. So what the NHS is doing, working with a group which has been approved by Stonewall, is anybody's business. It's just nonsense. Keep your messages coming in on your Richie Allen show via the app, via the website richieallen.co.uk. And while I think of it, the programme now has a P.O. box, a snail mail box. Yes, if you would like details of it, if it's relevant to you, Go to the website and there is an article there about it and the details are also on the Support Your Show tab. So there is a P.O. box because over the years one or two people said, uh, well, Richie, uh, you know, um, you know, Richie, um, I, I don't want to be using the bank and I don't want to be using Patreon. If you got yourself a box, a P.O. box, I might send you a cheque. Right. So I'm putting it up to you now. Let me just send a quick message to Ryan because he's forgotten that we're not um, uh, on TV. Can you can you just talk amongst yourselves while I do that? You see, ordinarily there would be a producer doing uh, this for me, but I don't have one. It's just me and you. So I'm just typing to Ryan to let him know where I am. It's been a while since we spoke. I think he's expecting me to send him a Zoom link. I don't do Zoom because I'm not on the telly. Not anymore. It's um, a good thing too with me big ugly head in me. Me big ugly baldy head in me. I'll give you the cricket details in a moment. Wayne says that unfortunately I caught a minute of BBC London News today by mistake. As the head of network rail was being interviewed by the train tracks. He was pointing out a broken signal box and gravel from a falling embankment which he said was all down to the weather. You're kidding me. Whilst the BBC woman said to camera that all the travel problems were the result of climate change, um, which must have been true as this was also scrolling across the bottom of the screen whilst she was talking, uh, they, they seem to have gone all in, don't they? They seem to have gone all in, the media, on 
climate change, particularly since the temperatures got a bit warmish in southern Europe a week or so ago. They're more or less back to normal now. And they coloured in all of their maps, didn't they? Their weather maps really red. And didn't we see a an image? Didn't one of the weather ladies even wear a red and orange dress? Or was that just some fuckery by some spoofers in the truth or industrial complex? This I do not know. Listen, I'm going to take another very quick piece of music just so that I can dial up uh, Ryan. He's um, not where he should be. He's alive to the interview, but he's not quite where he should be just yet, so I need to get him on. Don't forget Maria Heller on the programme a bit later on, okay? It's a busy old Monday. Dr. Jane Donegan on the programme as well this week. And Mark Windows. Yeah, C.J. Lewis, that's a cover version, of course. 27 minutes to the top of the hour. The next 20 minutes, we're going to be graced by the company of a great broadcaster and writer. You know him as the last American vagabond, vagabond even. It's a Monday. As the last American vagabond.com, our old pal, the super Ryan Christian. Ryan, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. I'm Pleasure to join you. Oh, you're you're a gent because you never get any notice and you come on anyway, and I love that. You're uh, you're you're on the fly. You're always doing something: writing, broadcasting, recording. So we've got twenty minutes, which is great. I want to kick off with this. How seriously do you think? And you're across this story for the last year and a half. The BBC reporting over the weekend. I'm sure it was reported on CNN as well. Is that Vladimir Putin says Russia does not reject peace talks, and that story was also um, also contained claims that the Turks and maybe the Chinese might play some role here. Is there some hope that this Ukraine incursion might come to an end? What do you think? Well, I think that's entirely dependent on the U.S. government, their policy, and, and the, the arms being flooded into Ukraine, right? I mean, it's coming from a mul- multiple different Western countries, and it, it's it's very clear what they're really saying. It's not really about peace for anybody. It's about, and it's, it's, this is not hard to see, classic U.S. government tactics in Syria, Afghanistan, the point being that, you know, we won't do what everybody wants until we get what we want, right? It's not about the people. We want to saw it out of the way. So we're going to keep destroying Syria until you give us what we want. Same thing's happening here. It's, and that, that's, that this isn't binary. This isn't Russia, good guy, U.S., bad guy. I see all these governments as in this for their own agendas. But there's obviously different points to be made about who started this and what, you know, the U.S. government is very belligerent with their foreign policy. But the only thing that will truly stop this at this point is that the U.S. government stops completely backing. In my mind, this is a U.S. proxy war, the most fascist, openly extremist group that I can see right now, like openly, you know, even I mean, the, the word Nazi gets thrown around. In places that it doesn't belong, but we have to remember that in this exact case, this is not. A hyperbolic statement. We have very clear fascist entities, like on the surface, we have open neo-Nazi groups, but then we quite literally have Nazi ideology. And it stems back to people like Michael Lebed, who was the guy, you know, this was 1940 something, I'm forgetting the exact date, I think 48, where the US government, it was called Operation Aerodynamic, brought this person over, a Nazi war criminal, and set him up in New York and Ukraine with a company called Prologue. And this was the beginning of what we see in Ukraine. They built this, and it's on the record. The CIA built a fascist entity, starting with the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, to use against the Soviet Union. And it's just, it just developed into this day. And that's you can prove the same funding, the same groups. This is a CIA operation. So my point is, these are actual Nazi ties. That's why they still salute Stefan Bandera and things like real Nazi war criminals. So long, the long, long point long, 
the point is that this is clearly a, a, an agenda that's been long sought and they have crossed every red line that's ever been laid out. Anybody honest can point this out. So that being where we are, clearly, if Russia just stopped what it's doing right now, well, we already know what this group says it will do. And this is classic tactics, again, from the corporate media, sort of like how Israel's government will say, we never want a two-state solution. And yet the U.S. media will say, we all want a two-state solution. They just misrepresent what they're even saying. In this case, the Azov movement and these open Nazi groups on the ground and neo-Nazis are openly saying that they want to take over the rest of Europe, spread the white race around the world. They're openly saying this, and they just don't report that. Ryan, so, where, where can but, people see them openly saying this? I have seen this myself, but my critics will say, I'm giving Ryan an easy ride there. Um, where, where online or anywhere else can we see the statements of these, what um, Putin would, would call the Russian president, Nazi groups in Ukraine? Where are they saying these things? Uh, when I mean openly, I mean openly. In the middle of a you know a, 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 an interview setting in Ukraine, when the media is addressing, I think the group was C19, where they openly say, "We know what the U.S. is saying, but that's not true. Here's what we want, on the record." That doesn't get reported here, and I played the video on my show. Or we can have them openly discuss with their ideology in interviews, in their own meetings, all posted on their own Telegram channels or on their own websites, where they quite literally say that they, you know, Stefan Bandera, who is a Nazi criminal, Nazi. Ident um, individual, right? This is a historic Nazi individual who they still support. They still so they still salute. They still have statues around. I mean, it's not this. It becomes almost insulting that we have to try to pretend yeah. that's not what we're looking at. Open Nazi salutes caught on CNN while they're overtaking areas. It's not hard to see. Now, I look. I respect the fact that people want to be objective. We should be because I'll, look. I can tell you right now that doesn't mean that every Ukrainian is a Nazi. That's a stupid thing to say, right? But we can see the elements. And, and alternatively, I can point to groups that exist in Russia that are white supremacists and Nazis yes, they, yes. all over the place. But we have to be honest about what we're staring at here. And last point, they've also been very, very clear 10 years ago. And remember, the, the media, the U.S. government even, were openly telling us this before the invasion of Ukraine, that these people were dangerous, that what they were doing was ethnic cleansing in Donbass. They were, and then again, openly to this very moment, telling us what they want to do to those people. And then... If Russia pulls away, well, they're going to continue doing this. And you talk to the people in Donbass, that's largely why they voted. And the international community was clear. There was independent observers that they voted to join Russia, just like with Crimea. But we just get the narrative against the truth. Tell me, how, what sort of numbers do we think these, um, this particular group enjoys? I mean, is it massive? Is it big? Is it something that's growing constantly? Yeah, know? that's a good question. And this is, you know, typically these things are are subject to massive debate because they're propagandized topics, right? So I the, the narrative and really the best way to start is to realize what they're saying. So early on, the concept was, oh, no, the Azov Battalion, which is that's not what they're even called anymore, was an old group that was originally there. And yeah, they had a little bit of Nazi stuff, but that was just because it was needed and necessary, whatever their argument is. But it, it went away, right? It got absorbed and everything went back to normal. That's not true. And again, it's embarrassing that you can even look at their own work prior to the invasion where they'll say that. And then weirdly, Putin invades and suddenly it's a not true story. It's, it's confusing. But the point is, they argue it's diminished and it's small. Even at, the, even at its prime, it was tens of thousands. But you can quite literally prove right now, according to their own statements, according to the corporate media's reports, according to the people on the record like Olina Semenkia, who is one of the representatives of this group, who have traveled around the world and spread that ideology, like with the Rise Above movement in the U.S. or Casa Pound in Italy. These are extensions of the Azov movement which is what it actually is called now. It's a movement. And it has overtaken their government, largely, 
National Guard is the Azov movement, largely the police forces. All these groups are openly in line with this. And you can even prove, I think Scott Ritter's made this point, a lot of people have spoken up about this, that in the beginning, Zelensky, who, let's be real honest, is an absolute puppet. The guy was playing president on TV, and then his TV station literally is his cabinet. That's not hard to point out. Kolomoisky, who was his chief financer, is also the chief financer of the Azov movement. I mean, none of these things people talk about. But the idea is ultimately that this just overtook everything. And they'll tell you that these people are running most of this and that they're spreading this around the world. And let's not forget the Rise Above movement, which is documentably the arm of the Azov movement in the U.S. That's very clearly laid out by the FBI and all sorts of documents from the U.S. That was the beginning of the they shall not replace us marching with tiki torches. Remember this in Charlottesville? Yes. That was the Rise Above movement. That's the Azov movement. I mean, it, it ties right back to the CIA. I, I made a mistake when I mentioned Turkey. Um, Vladimir Putin had, meet, had, had met with representatives of, um, he met Chinese representatives and African leaders, didn't he? Or African leaders. And he said there could be no ceasefire while the Ukrainian army was on the offensive, but he doesn't reject the idea of peace talks. Uh, speaking of Vladimir Zelensky, he's been, I wouldn't say bragging, but he's been talking about taking the war to Russia today. What do we... It's hard because, as you said earlier on, and one of the reasons why I love speaking with you, and I have been doing for many, many years, it's not binary. It's not a case of um, Putin is good and the West is bad. It isn't. I personally, we've had this out before over the years. No matter what happens, it seems to advance this dystopian agenda. And that's where my suspicions always lie. However, what do we think the Russian people feel? What do we know? I mean, it's hard. It's so many people. It's a monstrous country, right? But do we have any kind of a clue as to how Vladimir Putin is seen by the Russian people? Is there fatigue? Are they fed up of this um, Ukraine war? And um, do, do, is, is there some feeling in Russia amongst Russian people that they want to see it come to an end very quickly? What do we know? Yeah, you know, I, I give my opinion secondly, but the, for, firstly, it's it's very, very hard intentionally so, for any of these things to be truly fleshed out. I mean, first, let's look at it from a U.S. perspective. What does our government do? It screams everything they want the world to think outward over the top of the truth, right? Just like with the beginning of COVID, the Trump administration grabbed that microphone and told us exactly what they wanted us to think the story was. And that stayed even to this day, even though we've proven that's not true, right? Like it, it just, that's what the U.S. government is known for. They step in, they set that narrative, right? And so the world will engage with that. The corporate news, let's say, representatives of the world, they'll look at that and say, well, here's what the U.S. people think, because that's what we're being told. So think about that in reverse. I can promise you that the Russian government wants us to think that people support him because that's the narrative or that's the support. That's what any of these governments would do. So that being like the status quo, they're always trying to project what they want everyone to think. That has to kind of flavor this conversation. So that being said, I think it's obvious to me that there's large support for what he's doing. And it's not hard to understand that from the people that recognize what Ukraine is. And that's not Russian people versus US or left versus right. That's just people who aren't ridiculous, who you can very clearly stare at the situation and not say good, bad. You can all, you can point out that what Russia is doing may be illegal or that all these conversations, but the point is nonetheless, these are dangerous people on the ground. As the US government pointed out before this invasion, as the corporate media was screaming about right before this happened, it's embarrassing. So these are dangerous people. So as the Russian people's perspective, why wouldn't they support this, the, what, at least the argument that we're not invading Ukraine, we're trying to stop this advancement on Russian people in the areas of Donbass, Crimea, which by the way, was verifiably happening, again, that they were pointing out. And then also you have people like Vanessa Bealey, Eva Bartlett, uh, uh, Fiorella, is, is, uh, um, Isabella, I believe, and they're all doing great work 
many Hezbollah lives in Russia and the other the others kind of fluctuate and report and they'll tell you and you could take this grain of salt if you'd like. I tr I think they're some of those trustworthy and respectable people out there, but question everything that they think that it's overwhelming that the Russian people support what they're doing, that they'll even contrast. This is what gets them a lot of negative perspectives from Americans that what's going on in Russia, governmental wise and society is better than America. You know, and the problem is what's interesting is that we won't even ask if that's true. Like most Americans are so quick, re like reflexively, like pushing back on that kind of conversation because we've been engineered to feel that way. Like that's somehow undermining our own beliefs. It's not really. It's 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 just having a conversation about, you know, the ebb and flow of what's going on in the world. Right. And I think all these governments are trying to do that to us and kind of control our lives. But, you know, I don't know. It, it's impossible to say for sure. That's the real answer. Good answer. The last American vagabond.com. Ryan Christian live on the Richie Allen show. We've got Ryan for 10 minutes. I'd like to spend the remainder of the time speaking about RFK Jr. Robert um, F. Kennedy Jr., whom we've, I suppose, gotten to know pretty well in the last couple of years because of his um, outspoken comments, justifiably, I think, outspoken comments about COVID jabs and about the pandemic and about lockdowns and what have you. Now, a couple of weeks ago, the New York Times published an article where it essentially accused him of anti-Semitism because he made some comment about the COVID jabs and who, which ethnic groups were most affected by the COVID jabs, at least according to the data that we have. Um, I don't know if RFK Jr. is anti-Semitic or not because I don't know him. I, I would imagine he isn't. I would guess he isn't. Um, but I also know that he's been around the block a long time. And it seems like a rookie mistake to say something, to, to say anything like that. Now, you might accuse me of promoting self-censorship here. No, if somebody feels something, they should, you know, say it if they believe it. But also, you've got to play a kind of a longer game. And didn't he just hand a loaded gun to his critics in the media by talking about the ethnic groups who were less likely to be affected by the COVID jabs? Now, you've been all over this on your brilliant podcast and website. What do you make of that? Why did he say what he said? Well, I mean, because it's true. So first of all, right? I mean, I don't know his intentions. I can't speak to what, why, yeah. but my opinion would be because it's a true statement and you can prove that. But what's interesting, I'll get into that in a second, but what's interesting is let's not forget, and this seems to be a part that's largely skipped by most people. He's, RFK was very clear about this. By the way, just a quick note. I've been shorthand using RFK just because it's, it's, there's it's only, easy. <laughs> but people start getting mad at me about that. I'm like, I understand. Anyway, I think it's interesting when he's the only one that's currently here. Yes, so I think it's pretty clear dead. with all things. But. Well said. Well um, but, but so that he was at a meeting or dinner, it looks like, with representatives of, you know, whether the media personalities were there. This was a meeting where people were there as themselves. This wasn't like a Project Veritas sting. Right. So there was a representative of The New York Post literally sitting there and secretly filming this. And that's what the RFK was very clear about that, that I wasn't even aware I was being filmed. So. And that's how they, they want to hide that because they want to make they want it to sound like he was standing on a soapbox and telling you that he's racist. Right. And the reality is, and again, to your point, I'm glad you said that because we don't know. I don't know whether he's anti-Semitic. So we should the defense shouldn't be he's not because we don't know. I would argue with you. It seems clear that he's likely not, especially since he just spent the last week and a half screaming as a champion for Israel like Trump did. But that ultimately it's obvious that his statements were not anti-Semitic. They were simply valid based on the science. And that he made a clear statement right after that saying it was not, we don't even know if that's, if that was intentional or not, right? So then everybody went out of their way to really kind of represent what people said he said, 
That's classic corporate media today. Like they all just kind of jump on the same bandwagon and they act like they know because they read what the post said, right? But they didn't really watch the video or really dissect what he said. And so for those that haven't seen it, it's very clear. And and also on a side note, I'm not I, I'm not advocating for RK Jr. I'm quite quite suspicious to be quite honest. I can't defend his stance on Israel. And that's a big one for me. I, I quite frankly think his stance on Israel is morally indefensible. And we can talk about that next if it's you want. It's repugnant, yeah. It is, it is. And and I, But people argue that he may just be lying about that, like you said, because he's playing the game, right? He wants to, because people know you can't become president in this country without taking a knee to the Israeli government, right? That's very clear. So maybe that's what he's doing. But again, I don't support that. That's not being honest. But to the point, he was at this meeting. They secretly recorded him. And what he said was quite clear that there you can show that and based on this study that there is more susceptibility ethnic ethno rather I think he said ethnically targeted or targeted toward ethnicity based on and he listed off specifically Chinese and Ashkenazi Jews. Now what's interesting to me is I don't know whether I'm missing something or whether he just kind of because he was it was off the cuff. He wasn't he wasn't thinking he's being recorded. He might have just misspoke or or conflated other studies because as far as I can tell. There is no Chinese mention in the study he's referencing, and he's and he's put it out exactly in the same one that I've talked about before this conversation ever came up. So it only mentions largely Amish people and Ashkenazi Jews as the ones that have no, almost no increased risk based on the H2 presence, right? And so what's interesting is that is one part that they could have easily jumped on and been like, well, he's not even right about this, or but they didn't. So it shows you that there was a wholesale effort to choose to misrepresent him. But what he said is directly shown in a 2020 peer-reviewed study that I've shown myself. And I, I've roundly put this out there, and it near verbatim says what he says. And then right after that statement, he then says, and we don't know if that's intentional. So that's how right. do they go on to pretend that he says that they made sure that that was targeted towards Jews? He didn't say yeah. that, right? Yeah. But you can show that the study was correct. And then he goes on after that to say that both the Chinese and U.S. governments are, in fact, working towards bioethnic weapons. And they are. It's, I just did an entire focus on this. So what's really the issue here, right? I think it's just like we see with Corbyn or, or with Roger, Roger Waters. It's just a way to quiet somebody who's saying things that they don't want. And I think that largely comes from groups like the Israeli lobby, right? But you could also throw the other side of this that maybe this was just an intentional effort to throw that accusation, knowing that it's hollow, to get him to do what he just did. Maybe. This is the thing, yeah. I mean, I like you, I, I find his position on the crimes of, against humanity, against the people of Palestine, to be absolutely reprehensible. Um, yeah. At the same time, I can't believe, I don't believe for a minute that he actually believes that if he were to win the presidency, which I don't think he's got a cat in hell chance of doing that, but even if he did, I, I can't imagine that he believes in his heart that he could make any you know, significant changes. Not to be flippant or silly or childish, but I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, they, wouldn't they just say, Robert, we've got a really interesting video that was shot in the 1960s to show you on an old camera. 16 right. millimeter. Have a look at this, you know. We're in charge, you're not. So I find him very interesting. I, I think he's obviously saved lives. I mean, I really do. And a lot of my listeners really love him. So I if agree. I criticise him, I'll, I'll get hammered for it. But um, I don't trust him no more than I trusted Trump or Jeremy Corbyn. Go ahead, Ryan. No, sorry. I'm just, but we should be able to, right? And this is what's so frustrating about this topic is why are, why are the people out there so rabidly defending him, even if you support him? Like criticism is welcomed, right? Shouldn't aren't people who are honest the ones criticize me, right? Check my policies. If you if we're actually saying that we're supposed to blindly follow what he says because he's the right guy, well, that's then you're wrong about who he is, yeah. then, right? Because that's not what he's preaching. But quite frankly, I don't know where I stand because I've said hands down, 
best candidate. It, easy. I don't even think that's up for debate. The rest of these people that I even see out there are largely ridiculous in my mind. But that doesn't change the fact that I won. And this is a whole different topic. I, I think we all generally from different perspectives recognize this entire voting system is wildly fraudulent. So why we even think that that is like the right side says that they stole it. The left side said Russia can apparently sneeze and change the election. So why are we acting like we all don't agree that the system is broken, right? So why that doesn't play a factor is interesting. But on top of that, that again, you're right. I, 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 could, I think we can prove that he knows what he's saying is incorrect about Israel or the fact that he can say something as ridiculous as, well, they'll only use the nuclear weapons that we all pretend they don't have if they're attacked. Yeah, How yeah. do you even argue that? How do you know what they would do? Like, that's as dumb as saying we know what Putin thinks and what he wants, right? And that makes me concerned. But it also makes me wonder if he is really just playing the game. But even if that's the case, and I look, I hope that is. And if, if he turns out to be the first thing he does is step up and say, I was making that up and I'm doing that, then I'll support it, right? But in this moment, while it's happening, I don't support that because that's not honest. That's playing politics. They never do, do they? We've got two minutes left today before you go and um, do some recording. Let me ask you then, just as briefly as you can be, for your, for your own good because you've got work to do, but say um, former President Donald Trump then, um, obviously he's got legal issues, but as it stands today, the 31st of July, 2023, do you expect him to be the Republican nominee next year as it stands is he still in the box seat as it were yeah if i did, if i to bet i would say he clearly has at the moment i think that desantis has made a few missteps you know and it's interesting how this all played out though this is one of the most interestingly convoluted situations because you got a lot of people on the right that are actively supporting rk jr despite the fact that he's running as a democrat it just shows you how broken and ridiculous all this is it's the it's like pointing out people that are standing up and saying I'm changing sides. And it's like, okay, so then you're ridiculous then, right? So, so you're, you're just, you don't just change sides. That means you don't care about anything that you have. Ten like we're supposed to pretend the left and the right are diametrically different, right? Yeah. They have different tenets and different integrity, different policies. So if you can just stand up and be like, I'm changing because this party's different, that doesn't mean that the left now suddenly in, in believes in all the things you once believed. You're just changing sides. It's team sport politics, right? It's ridiculous. Because my point would be, if you believe in that party and or really what you believe the party was, well, then you would stay with that party and say, I represent what Democrats truly are, and they're the ones breaking it, but it's not what's happening, right? So my point is, all of this seems wildly convoluted, that you have DeSantis and Trump that are splitting the vote. You've got RFK and Biden doing something similar. Then you got to split even between Democrat and Republican. So I think we're in for something very different, right? But maybe, and call me the skeptic, that's exactly the point. I've been worrying about the third party candidate and when that will come into play, like the manipulative version of that. Yeah. Maybe this is a new game on that. I'm not sure. But, you know, just question everything, guys. I hope for the best. I hope I'm wrong about these people, but I hope, I hope they at least consider that they might be the people that we hope they're not. If you haven't checked out TheLastAmericanVagabond.com before, I know you have, but in the odd event you haven't, check it out. You've been listening to Ryan Christian, top reporter, top journalist and top guy. Thanks for your time, pal. We'll do a little bit longer next time. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Ryan. And he's gone uh, to produce his own programme, Ryan Christian, the last American Vagabond. Dot com. As the time is coming up for five minutes to the top of the hour, I'm going to give you an update from Kensington, from the Oval. Well, it's kind of exciting. Uh, Australia are 306 for eight. They are chasing, I believe, 384. Two wickets in hand. Who is at the crease? Todd Murphy is at the crease. And Alex Carey, the wicketkeeper batsman, at the crease for Australia. It must be absolutely mental to be watching it right now, but I'm not watching it. 
I'm chatting with you. I'm very good. It's the last time I'll say that. Last time. Thank you for your messages this afternoon. Chris says, uh, he says, RFK Jr. really does need to be criticised because he has apologised for the crimes of the State of Israel. Janie was in touch to say, Hi Janie, I'm reading RFK Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci, right now, Richie. It is well worth the read, says Janie. Thank you, Janie, for that. I really appreciate it. And uh, Marco says, Richie, uh, Vladimir Putin has just signed off on central bank digital currencies. He is playing his part in this pantomime. And this is only my opinion. You should take it apart at the knees, please, because it's an opinion, not fact. I see it like Marco. Every one of them is controlled, in my opinion. Every single one of them is working to the same agenda. And even if they don't know it, that sounds a bit mad, but that's how I see it myself. Uh, thank you to Faisal, who says, You know, it's also kind of suspicious, since any study of the Amish people will show they were less affected by COVID, despite them being mostly unvaccinated. Suddenly, there's a study which explains this anomaly in terms of genetic targeting, he asks. That's a question. Genetic targeting, which Ryan spoke about there, which developers of biological weapons have been looking looking into that for many years. Can we develop a biological agent which affects only African people, maybe? Or maybe uh, people from Hong Kong, maybe? Or maybe people from... And so on, so on. You get the, 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 uh, the idea. William reckons that RFK Jr. will be JFK all over again. William reckons he'll be assassinated. I, I hope you're wrong, William. I'm guessing you hope you're wrong too. Mel has been in touch to say, um, I wanted to mention George Michael's death being suspicious, mentioned on your previous programme. I agree with the caller. George did get political and wrote a song you don't hear played on the radio anymore called Shoot the Dog. And it was about Bush. Give it a listen, says Mel. Thank you, Mel. I wasn't aware of the song. And it's the Kennington Oval, not Kensington. I know I'm an idiot. <laughs> yes, thank you very much for that. Thank you. You don't miss very much, Ian. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's uh, coming up for six o'clock. This is your Richie Allen show. The, the the brilliant Maria Heller will be with me momentarily. We have plenty to talk about. Do me and Maria. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. And as mentioned earlier on, there is now a PO box for the program. You will find it on my website, richieallen.co.uk. Snail mail. Now I'm guessing. It's going to be an undated, right? I, I've said this before about emails coming in. I work alone. There is no, absolutely no producer or assistant. It's just me. So um, I won't be spending my days responding to every note that comes in via the P.O. box because it just isn't humanly possible. Okay, so if you send something to me via snail mail and you maybe don't hear back from me, don't uh, don't hold it against me. But I'll do my best, of course, you know, because I'm obviously not important. <laughs> I'm not some celebrity. Obviously not. So I, I do endeavour, even with the emails, I do my best to get back to people. 
but it isn't always uh, as easy as it might sound. So Maria is in the house. That's the great Maria Heller. More of your comments in a moment before we uh, before we dial her in from Arizona. There, she's in Arizona. Yeah, and I think she might be a fan of Glenn Campbell. Sure, aren't we all? Hey, eh? I am. music from Glenn Campbell on Monday's Richie Allen show. It is exactly two and a half minutes past the hour of six o'clock here in Salford. Thank you for being with me. Send me a message via the website, via the app. There is an app for the programme. Now you'll get it. If you're an Android user, Google Play. If you have an iPhone, you'll get it via the app store. My guest needs very little introduction. Wonderful presenter. Terrific journalist and reporter. Has done it all in radio and in broadcasting. And has the distinction of hosting the oldest podcast on the internet. It's great to welcome back to the programme our old pal live from Arizona, Ms. Maria Heller. How are you doing, Maria? I'm doing good, Richie. Always good to be back on your show. Can't believe how organised you are. You did today's show last night late in Arizona there because it's very early in the morning there. So you did your own show to make room for us here in the UK. Sure, we only love you for that. Thank you. (laughs) I have an innate sense of responsibility to my audience. No, you, and you I had so many, I mean, blockbuster pieces of news that they needed to know that I said, okay, <laughs> let me do it tonight and post it in the morning. And that's exactly what I did. Fantastic. I'm, I, I've never asked you, I've just been listening to Glenn Campbell there. A question I've never asked you, and it is relevant in these very, very serious times when for, sometimes I feel... We really are in a tunnel and we can't see anything, but we can feel tracks underneath our feet and we can hear a noise in the distance. I've actually had this dream about how things are going to go and I feel like a train is coming. So it is pertinent. What do you listen to when you listen to music and are your musical choices tailored around what it is that you do? Are they tailored around keeping you sane, helping you to relax? What do you listen to? (laughs) Well, you know what keeps me sane, especially when I'm freaking out or uh, actually if I'm at the gym, uh, I have my own uh, my own playlist on my iPod uh, of the best of 60s music. Brilliant. Uh, You know, and a lot of the songs from the 60s were protest songs. Uh, A lot of them were, uh, you know, important, like... uh, I'm trying to, I can't think of the name of it, but especially the one that's, that goes, you know, something's happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. Yeah, Thunderclap yeah. Newman. There's something in the air. No, 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 no. To every, I know the song you're referring to. It'll right. come to me in a moment. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and then, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, you know, their song, you know, The Sound of Silence. Uh, but I also, you know, back in the day when I started my show, uh, before the copyright laws, I used to play a lot of music, a lot of independent music. A lot of people would send me their CDs with their permission to play their songs, anti-war songs, anti-Bush songs, anti-Iraq uh, songs. I even got to interview, if you remember, uh, Country Joe and the Fish. Yes. And that was a big one for me, interviewing Joe, because what happened was... Uh, 
you know, I, I'm not even talking about his 60s song, but when we went invaded Iraq, he came out with an anti-war song about Iraq. And I got in touch with him and I got him on the show. And of course, I had his permission to play the song. Uh, but when I look at America, especially, uh, everything we fought and won in the 60s has been wiped out by Trump's Supreme Court, all of it. So when I talk to young people today, I tell them they're asking me, you know, what are we supposed to do? And my answer is you need to do everything we did all over again. This is really interesting. Let's stay with this Buffalo Springfield for what it's there worth. Uh, it just popped into my head yeah, because I love that song. It was on the Forrest Gump soundtrack. I think it might have right. been the first time I ever heard of it. Now, oh, <laughs> I knew that music when it came out live. You're not you that know, bloody old. I was very fortunate growing up in New York because we had the best at that time. They were called discos. Uh, so I got to see a lot of groups, you know, live, uh, which was a thrill. You know, everybody from the Chambers Brothers to, you know, Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels, uh, you know, people nobody probably ever hears of anymore. Uh, but it was quite thrilling. And I will tell you this, the very first concert I went to, Richard, you'll never believe this. I was probably about 15. So, oh God, how many years ago was that? Uh, maybe 1965. And Mitch Ryder, who did the song Devil with the Blue Dress and uh, so many other songs, was giving a free concert at Central Park in New York. And I went with my boyfriend at the time, and there was a million kids out on the green waiting. I mean, it was thrilling. But as soon as Mitch Ryder gets up there, and he was a ball of energy, he opened his shirt. He did not even get to take his shirt off. And the cops rushed the stage, rushed him off the stage, and the concert was over. Wow. He was arrested, was he? Because he was removing his shirt in public. Right. Today, everybody's dry humping and everything else. Yeah. And I listen to some of the words in some of these songs. I mean, the melodies are nice, but when I actually tune my ears to the words, they're the filthiest words. It's all about sex and crap. And I think about how my parents banned me from certain music in my house. There were certain songs my father wouldn't let me play when he was home. Uh, one of them was, I don't know if you remember the song, Socket to Me. Okay. No, no, who sang that? Oh, God, who remembers? But, you know, it was, uh, it was very, it was a great dance song. I used to go dancing at least three nights a week, and I would practice dancing with my boyfriend two nights a week. So we won all kinds of uh, awards and dance contests. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I could only play that song when my father wasn't home because he thought it was too sexual. Because it was all sock it to me, baby, baby, sock it. And me and my sisters used to like sing along with it and dance around the house. And my father was pissed about it. They were terrified of this music. I think it was Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. Sock it, it to me, baby. It could very well have been their, their song. Yeah, I've looked and then it up. there was a very, yeah. uh, a very uh, crazy group. I'm trying to think of the name of them. Uh, but they came out with an album. Oh, it's called David Peel and the Lower East Side. And now uh, you guys can probably get it on YouTube. Uh, their album was called Up Against the Wall. 
every song was so rebellious and for us so dirty because it was up against the wall mf -er. right. I won't say the whole word. Uh, we used to like to scream those into my mother's ears while we were playing it on the hi-fi. Remember hi-fi? God, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and they thought that we were wild and we thought it was a crazy time. But I look at, you know, the devolution of the species uh, and I, I laugh when I think back, you know, even watching TV. You know, I remember when Elvis couldn't move from the waist down on, on camera. Yeah, they wouldn't film him. That's right. They filmed him and from now, the waist I up. And I mean, yeah. everything is so super filthy. And I think that our youth has been so inundated with sexual images, sexual words, et cetera, et cetera, and pornography, that they're over actually having sex. You know, a lot of the uh, a lot of the polls in the United States show that a lot of young people don't have sex yes. regularly. Hey, can I ask you on this? Can, stay with stay with this. This is really interesting because about um, six or six or eight months ago, like yourself, I read the papers as research for the show. You've got to know the lies they're telling before you can dissect them, right, Maria? So absolutely. But but, but I read a fascinating article by a conservative writer. But he's a good guy. Um, I think it was Timothy Stanley. I used to interview him on the radio in Spain years ago when I first started speaking with you. And Timothy says there's a real issue with younger people today. He wasn't criticising them. He was saying they are very risk averse. And this is a real problem, he said. You know, they, they're reluctant to try things. You know, they don't want to go out and get pissed on, you know, vodka and Red Bull or whatever. They don't want to try cigarettes. He said, he said he wasn't endorsing smoking or anything like that. But he says this risk-averse kind of thing that's happening with younger people is a bad thing for their futures. He says it's good to go through that phase where you do everything and you try everything and you throw caution to the wind. It's, you know, it's character building. What do you think of that? I agree. I, I'm grateful there weren't surveillance cameras when I was young. <laughs> or half the laws, but you got to understand, I think part of the reason uh, a lot of young people, well, there's, I think, two, two reasons. One is they've been attached to their phones and virtual reality since they were born. So anything normal like, oh, let's take a hike or go out in nature or go for a swim, and that's, that, that's ridiculous to them. Uh, and uh, what was I going to say? The second thing was, oh, here in America, a lot of women are afraid to have sex because they're afraid to get pregnant because of all the laws now where they're jailing women for having an abortion, for having a miscarriage. They're afraid to go to the hospital. They have no privacy and they figure it's not worth it, let alone that the mortality rate for mothers in the United States is amongst the worst in the world. OK, so like I continue to say, it's not about health care for all. The problem I see in America is there is no care in health care. And if you're going to have to worry about being turned into the police like a 17 year old girl just has been spent 90 days in prison, facing maybe five years for self-aborting. Uh, it's a sad situation. And you know what? A lot of the boys and men, they don't want it either. They don't want uh, a child. You know, young people are smart. They see, like you said, the train coming down the tracks and they don't want to bring a child into 
the world that we are now in the middle of. Yeah, but it's isn't that a shame? Different. Isn't that a shame? Because they could do something about it. I mean, you, you and I have spoken for many years about how the genuinely important and serious environmental issues are deliberately confused with, with man-made climate change. And right. they've convinced youngsters that the world is on the edge of climate collapse, which I... Look, I'm an old lefty. I, I used to believe this stuff. And nobody got to me. I'm not paid by oil and gas. I cannot stand the oil uh, and gas companies. have no interest in them. But I do mm. not believe that man-made CO2 is going to collapse the climate. I don't believe there's any evidence of that. Yet, yet, no, yet, I, think, yet the, I think man's, man's using the ocean and nature as a huge garbage dump is a big No problem. doubt, no doubt. And we've always agreed on that. But they've convinced kids that by basically living, you know, that they're somehow dirty or sinful and that, you know, you shouldn't have a car, you shouldn't have this, you shouldn't have that. Get used to not eating meat, get used to this, get used to that. And they keep bombarding them with this horrible imagery of apocalypse, uh, which I don't believe is real. And that's playing some part in children saying, like, I don't want to have babies. Sorry. Um, you know, young women saying, I don't want to have babies. I think that's tragic, Maria. I it really might be do. tragic, but I tell, listen, both my granddaughters are in their 20s. Uh, one of them just got married. She and her husband absolutely don't want children. That was their own choice. They just don't want them. And I'm supportive of that. I'm supportive if you want one. I'm supportive yeah. if you don't. Uh, but I don't recommend it, okay? Because I, you and I both know what their agenda is. You know, agenda so, 2030. We may not even have to wait till 2030. So do you think it's inevitable, Maria? Do you think that it is inevitable that at least for the foreseeable future, the architects of the agenda, which you've been talking about for 30 years on the radio or longer, you believe somehow that it's inevitable that we can't stop it? Yes, I do. It's wow. inevitable. It's too late. I hate to say it, Richie, but it's too late. Okay, I've been teaching about the environment since the 1980s. Uh, simple things we could have done you know, even the fact that most people don't appreciate nature. You know, I'm blessed because I live in the mountains of Arizona. I live in the largest ponderosa pine tree um, forest in the country. Every night or every other night, I get elk on my property. Okay. I still get falcons, you know, birds that people will never see anywhere else. And I have never gotten tired of it. I never get bored with it. We put out these huge bowls of water for the creatures. Uh, and I don't see anybody else doing that. Uh, but, we, you know, the truth of the matter is whether it's geoengineered weather, whether it's man's contribution to the destruction of nature because we're pigs and slobs, uh, the other part is the sixth mass extinction, okay? You gotta remember the last mass extinction, we didn't have the internet. There weren't people living in the way of volcanoes, in the way of earth on earthquake faults, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but humans being ignorant of nature, uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen the homes in California that slid down the mountains two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people don't ever, 
take nature into consideration. Well, do you well think nature's still going to do her thing. No doubt. we're here or we're not. No doubt. And we spoke about this before. But do you think it's possible? Because I'll tell you where I am. Well, I don't have to tell you because you know where I am. I've said this before. Look, of, of the CO2 that's in the atmosphere, which is traced, it's very minimal anyway, of the CO2 that is there... Only 4% of that is contributed by, by mankind and womankind. 96% comes from elsewhere. So the whole CO2 anthropogenic climate change theory, in my opinion, is absolute nonsense. But I do not dismiss... Well, I, will, I will agree with you on that. But yeah. what's the politician's solution? Let's, uh, let's charge you. Yes. Let's make you buy credits. Yes. Okay. It's always about making money. Yeah. And saving the planet to ignorant people was not a moneymaker, just like peace. Who talks about peace today? Peace is not a moneymaker. Look at the money being made by the military industrial complex on this war, this proxy war between the United States and Russia happening in the Ukraine. Well said. Well said. And the Bank of Ireland just announced it made a billion euro in profit because people's mortgages have gone sky high because of interest rates and because of inflation. It's the same scumbags making money every time there's a crisis, fake or otherwise. But the reason I love listening to you, and I always will love listening to you, is because you open up the possibilities. Some of the weather events that we see, you think that they might be engineered using technology that maybe we're not, I don't mean you and I are not aware of, but maybe technology that most people don't even know exists. So when you get flash floods and you get landslides and areas, this might be by the same people who want to convince people that their CO2 is killing the planet. They might be engineering the weather to create fake storms and and floods. Is that what you think? I'm not saying saying all storms are fake. No, no, but but possibly some. I've covered the Hawk program. I've covered geoengineering. I've covered chemtrails, you know, ad nauseum, Richie. Uh, I don't even cover it anymore because I have all those shows in my archives. You know, if somebody wants to learn about that topic, it's there from geniuses that are not even alive anymore. You know, you talk about greed. You should see the prices of everything in America, it's ridiculous Same from here. rent to food to you name it. Uh, this is all to force people into their 15-minute cities, Yes. okay? And nobody sees it. Nobody wants to see it. No matter, I could scream that from the rooftop, and people will say, like they said about everything else I predicted 20, 30 years ago that came true, that I'm crazy. You know, I was watching YouTube last night. There's a town in uh, in Arizona called Tempe, which a lot of young people live in. And they were bragging about this uh, new area of 750 apartments where it's only walking around. There's no, no cars. You can't drive in. I'm thinking to myself, how do people carry their groceries? Yeah. But basically, the more I watched this news report... I could very clearly see it's another one of those 15-minute cities because they'll have their own grocery stores. They will be able to have bicycles, uh, but they think this is a great idea. It's terrible. Let me read a few comments. Folks, Maria's website is meria.net, maria.net. Decades of interviews with whistleblowers who, as Maria has already said, and she's right to say it, 
predicted this down to the letter. Sarah says, Richie, kids these days can't afford a home. Um, they are low paid. They are brainwashing the education system. They are being confused. Their, their, their sexuality is confused. Climate change. It's a deep population agenda, says Sarah. Patricia has been on to say, my son never wanted children. Now he has an almost two-year-old son that is the light of his life. Maybe that is exactly what the world needs uh, to make this a better place. And Danny was on to say, I'm 34. I've taken the decision not to have children with my partner, mainly because I don't see a future for them, Richie. I think the World Economic Forum, etc. will get its way and it's going to be a miserable existence for the future generations. There you are. Well, no argument out of me. I mean, these storms, whether man created or or not, okay, wiping out. I mean, look, India had such bad storms that they are no longer, they can't export rice. So here in America, the few people that are even aware of the news are starting to hoard rice. We've had so many floods in our growing areas, our farmlands, that it's wiping out you know, uh, different vegetation and whatnot for food. Now, whether it's deliberate or not, they're already telling us the prices are going to go through the roof. Yeah, that's right. And most Americans don't realize that six corporations own all the food in this country. And they own all the grocery stores. It doesn't matter what name the grocery store is under. So... Their agenda, 2030, which now they seem to be talking more, believe it or not, about 2025 as the end date, um, they're on target. These people never lost track of uh, their goals, which is depopulation. Depopulation. Let me ask you this. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm totally changing the subject. I, I don't. But, um, no, I like when you do. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's always a great buzz when you come on. And Gabriel is in Gary Owen, west of Ireland. And he says, mm -hmm. Richie, what does Maria think of the death of Barack Obama's former personal chef and friend? number of people have asked me about this. I haven't read too much about it, but there are those who believe it's suspicious, the death of well, this guy. everything is suspicious. Listen, in America, we don't believe anything anymore. Okay, here we have these big uh, alien conferences in Congress, you know, UFO conferences and whatnot, saying they found, you know, biological forms that aren't human, blah, blah, blah. And the bottom line is absolutely no one in America is talking about it. None of us care and none of us believe it. So back to Obama's uh, sous chef, uh, I understand and I can only tell you what I know. I understand that he had recently taking, taken swimming lessons and he was out paddle boarding and he drowned. That's all I really know. Do I find it suspicious? No, I don't. Fair enough. It, it can happen. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not a, an experienced swimmer, you've God, just begun. We've had men in the valley here in Arizona, grown men who drown in swimming pools. Okay, I don't even understand that because most swimming pools, you know, you could stand up and reach the bottom. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it could have been a current. He could have got sucked in a pus. I mean, there's so many different things that could go wrong. Drink drink may have been involved in some of these instances. You know? Well, drink, drugs, you know, who, <laughs> yeah. who knows, you know. But back to, you know, uh, 
children, and I know Pat, and I and I know she has a beautiful grandchild. And believe me, there's nothing like grandchildren. So let me tell you a little story. When 9-11 happened, uh, that was in 2001. My granddaughters were little girls, okay? My first thought, looking, and I had my granddaughters with me that weekend. We had planned to go to Prescott, Arizona, and spend the day. Um, they were probably, well, one was born in 95, one was born in 97, so they were little girls. And my first thought as a grandmother was, oh, my God, my granddaughters are not going to live to have a life. And because, you know, immediately everybody believed that we were under attack from outsiders. So I took them and I had uh, to a mall to try to change my mind and get out of the fear of the day. And there was this... Um, artist sitting there in in one of the kiosks who was drawing, you know, making drawings of children. And I had him do a, a drawing with both my girls in it. And I got it framed and I, I have it in my bedroom. And every time I look at that drawing, I think to myself, thank God, at least they got to live in their into their 20s. This is, so, yeah. you know, now they're long, you know, old enough, strong enough that, you know, whatever happens, they could at least try to fend for themselves. OK, uh, so as a grandmother, I don't worry as much about them uh, not having a life. You know, I was fortunate to have a life at a time when America was a whole different country. Uh, and they love hearing those stories. OK, they can't even imagine it. Um but I fear for their future, even as they're in their mid twenties. I guess it's very yeah. hard for them. I mean, they're young people, and there's they can't find rent less than for a one or two bedroom, depending on how shitty the neighborhood is, for less than nineteen hundred dollars a month it's plus horrendous. utilities. It's horrendous. It's the same here. What what you're describing there is the same here. I'm in Salford, right? Um, I love Salford. It's, it's um, a, a, what you'd call a working class community, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, always has been, always will be. And um, the average, to get a three-bedroom terraced house here to rent, so it's, you know what a terraced house is, Maria? You're connected by okay. the wall on either side, right? So it's small, yeah. very it's small. Like brownstones in Brooklyn. Exactly. So very small, not really enough room to swing a cat in. You're looking at £1,100 a month, which is not far from $1,900. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. Shocking. You know, and I live in a, a small mountain town, population about 15,000. Most people retired. Uh, and everybody complains that they can't get workers in town, you know, whether it's a restaurant or a supermarket, whatever. But workers can't afford to live in this town. And I, when I make that argument, everybody gets pissy with me. And I'm like, if they're making, you know, 12 bucks an hour, which I think is the minimum wage in Arizona, how can they afford a rent of $2,000 a month? You can't. Is this a prelude to Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum, this whole idea of, 
you'll own nothing and be happy. Will they eventually roll out these human settlement zones? Like, I remember years ago watching a documentary, an Irish holiday maker called Hector, sorry, an Irish television presenter called Hector. Um, crazy guy, very funny guy. He went and did um, a series of Irish language holiday programs where he would speak in the Irish language. So he went all over the world, Hong Kong and everything, Japan. And in Japan, you know, he showed people living in these very, very tiny apartments in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Is that where it ultimately goes, where the state oh, says, yeah. don't worry about not being able to afford, you know, a home or even to rent a nice home. We'll provide you with a little unit in a, in a, in a high rise. Is that where it's going, do you think? That's already where it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, I like to look at uh, on YouTube. Uh, uh, I like to look at there's this one young man who goes around showing the few uh, reasonable apartments he finds in New York, in Manhattan. And one of the apartments was literally a bathroom that was converted into an apartment. And the person that rented it was lucky to get it for $3,000 a month. How can you afford that? Good All right. I, and I watched the pictures, you know, I watched the videos of the apartments, what they call apartments. Some of them, you couldn't stand up and reach both arms out. And these people think they're getting a deal at several thousand dollars. And then you look at these tiny house things that they're trying to convince people are great. And then how to convert your van into a living space. Uh, And now, you know, uh, I'm trying to think what they call those, uh, shipping containers, okay? Converting shipping containers into living space. Remember, this was all part of their plan where none of us, it's in clearly in Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030. It's clearly in there uh, that no one owns anything. Everybody lives in these 15-minute box cities. Everybody uses public transportation to get to their slave jobs. Uh, and there's penalties if you leave the 15-minute cities. There are penalties. You're only allowed to leave, like, I don't know, two or three times a month. And everybody thinks this is great. But when I, And you look at here the price of insurance. The price of insurance has gone so high that a lot of people have to walk away from their homes because they can't pay the insurance. A lot of people giving up their cars because their insurance has doubled. This is all planned. None of this is by accident. Uh, but, again... When you try to tell people that, they look at you like you're crazy. Uh, but fortunately, I live in a very uh, <laughs> a very mountaineering kind of town where a lot of people are more aware in this small mountain town than they are in big in cities. In the big cities. They, they've also become very creative in terms of how they plan to deal with homeowners. And in the UK, the Scottish government has proposed that... Um, If you refuse to get rid of your gas boiler and replace it with a heat pump, which is um, which won't heat your house properly, which will cost you thousands of pounds to install and uses more electricity anyway, you know, um, that if you don't, you will be banned from selling your house. They've given energy efficiency ratings to every house in the country. So I used to think, well, lots of us in the UK, lots of us in Ireland, we own our own homes. There isn't very much they can do to us. 
But there is, what? and they've become very creative with it. They will say, your house is not efficient enough to deal with climate change, therefore we might need to knock it down and move you out of there. This is how it's going well, to that, be. Well, yeah. then, no, don't forget, they can always just jack up your property taxes. Yes. Or look at Florida. Or introduce uh, them, in the case of the UK. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, my, my, my daughter made the mistake of buying a house in Florida two years ago. And uh, thank God she just sold it because I've been praying for her to get the hell out of Florida. Uh, but her tax bill went up, get this, Richie, $800 a month because of DeSantis's fight against Disneyland. So now Disney's money that used to float a lot of the uh, civic things in Florida is gone. So who's going to pay for it? The homeowners. $800 increase in your taxes a month. Your insurance, if you can get it, doubled. And what is DeSantis worried about? You know, he's worried about cancel culture. He's worried about Mickey Mouse and hasn't done a goddamn thing for Florida. And his supporters on the right, of course, they won't hear a bad word said about him. He's great. I don't know how they can afford to live in it's his It's amazing. State. It's amazing. He's taking on wokeness and all that bollocks. Yes, wokeness is a problem. Yeah, it's, he it's, needs to wake up. But it's nonsense. His driver yeah. needed to wake up because he was in a car accident last week. I said, I guess his driver wasn't woke. Yeah. And then yeah. got nailed, of course, for using uh, uh, government vehicles for his campaign, which is against the law. But it doesn't matter. The Republicans can break as many laws as they want. There's no punishment. What about um, this, 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 this incumbent? He's obviously very seriously impaired, isn't he? And yet they keep pushing him around, Joe Biden, event after event. Why do, do they do that? Why is it important for the hidden hand to keep pushing this obviously impaired chap into press conferences and meetings with world leaders? I don't understand it. Well, when we talk about the impaired, okay, I would say half of Congress is probably just as impaired. I saw the Mitch McConnell video that made that me... was crazy. I, I figured he had a glitch in his uh, a glitch in his computer. Yeah. You got Diane Feinstein who doesn't know whether she's dead or alive. Uh, you've got, you know, Mitch McConnell, that was just something else. Wasn't it? Though? And then he came back but a then, little boy well, later. They, you know, they got no problem parading around us a psychotic maniac like Trump, who should be in jail and God knows he'd probably never get there. Uh, this is the establishment, okay? People have to understand, and I tell young people, you got to vote them both out, okay? Both parties Every one suck. of them. Get rid of them, yeah. Anybody over 50 needs to find a new job, okay? Uh, my money, and I know he's not going to go anywhere because he's getting demonized every single day, is on Bobby Kennedy Jr. Because he's telling the truth and nobody wants to hear the now, truth. Now, hang on. Just before we talk about Bobby Kennedy Jr., there's a contradiction in terms. This is why I love talking to you, because you can take the shit when I give it to you, because you deserve it. A minute ago, mm -hmm. you said everybody who's over 50 should get a new job. So some people might accuse you of ageism there. Some people might say that one of the biggest problems we have in society is that we abandon our seniors and we don't listen to them. They've got the news. They've got the experience. And you said, oh, everybody who's over 50 get a new job. I know you're endorsing RFK I'm, Jr., who's 117 years old. 
Uh, he's only 69. He's a teenager <laughs> compared to what they're putting out there. Yeah. But he... my point is this. Uh, as far as ageism, okay, I have a right to talk about age because I am 73 years old. 73. Okay. I know what my capabilities are, and I God, God damn well know that I am way smarter than any of these idiot candidates, but there's no way I could physically handle that job. And when you look at the statistics in America where the majority is no longer the baby boomers, it's young people, they have no representation in our government, none. We have people who are still thinking, especially Biden, that we live in 1950 America, okay? Then you got the other side who wanna put us back in 1950 America with no rights for anybody. Um, so to me, that job's way too grueling. And people in Congress, man, they've been there so long, they have to, I don't even think when they go to the bathroom, they pee, I think they rust. They just rust, yeah, career politics. I mean, it's it's an absolute, uh, Listen, I'm, we've been talking about term limits in America front. since I was yeah. a kid, and yeah. nothing has happened. People have to understand the system is the way it is because they want it that way. Of course, because they want to have the same people in those positions for 25, 30, 40 years because those people are heavily compromised through child abuse, through, you know, fraud, dodgy dealing, insider trading. They've got them all tied up, don't they? So they exactly. do what they're told. And they're yeah. all criminals. Listen, I'm no mathematician, uh, Richie, but Congress salary for the few days a year they actually work, I can't believe they get a month off now, uh, is $174,000 a year. So how could it be that so many of the old guard in Congress are multimillionaires? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the first question people should be asking themselves. Pretty straightforward. Kickbacks, isn't it? It's Kickback City, DC. Well, well what else could it be? You know, yeah. yesterday, one of the news articles that I, I talked about on my show, which is totally illegal, is that when Trump was president, he made millions of dollars from Middle Eastern countries, which is against the law. And when I was talking about battle with my son. He says, how's that possible? I says, remember when Jimmy Carter ran for president, they made him give up his peanut farm. And what he was making is probably peanuts compared to what all these criminals are making. So it's like, who are they really representing? You know, it's like, they're like prostitutes on a Friday night. Okay. Everything is for sale. Uh, so yeah, we live in interesting times, you know, uh, yeah, and, and everybody wants to, you know, rip on, and for whatever reason, they won't give Bobby Kennedy Secret Service protection. Uh, and maybe he's better off without it, since he knows for a fact the CIA was involved in the murder of his father and his uncle. Uh, and if people haven't heard him talk about that, you should listen to what he says. Don't pay attention to what you read about him. Listen to his interviews. Listen to what he has to now, say. Now, in some of those interviews, um, my first guest today was Ryan Christian. And Ryan is cautiously um, approving of what RFK Jr. has done around the vaccines and healthcare and, 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 and whatnot and making promises about ending the forever wars. But... He's also very disappointed, as Ryan Christian, in his pretty 
shameless support of the brutal and racist state of Israel. Listen, it's funny. I talked just about that on the show yesterday. If you don't, you are doomed in America. How many decades have I told people that APAC owns Congress? Israel owns Congress. Uh, why, with everything going on in Israel, are we still giving them 13 million of our taxpayer dollars every day? All right. So Israel is the holy of the holy, okay? So when Bobby came out and talked about the ethnically targeted weapons uh, that were not, you know, that were designed not to uh, kill Jews or Ashkenazis, he said. And, and the Chinese, else. and Chinese, yeah. Yeah. Right away, they slammed him with their cover-up word, he's an anti-Semite. Okay, but who really started these ethnically targeted weapons? Well, if we, and I, this was one of the Lollapalooza stories on my show that I posted this morning. It was Israel. And when did that start? We're talking about the 1970s, okay? where they developed a, Israel, here's a quote from uh, 1998, November, Sunday Times. Got it here, I've got it here. Published a report saying Israel is working on a biological weapon that would harm Arabs, but not Jews. They called it an ethnobomb. That's exactly. right. Exactly. So when Bobby talks about it, they want to make him look crazy. But this stuff's been going on forever. It's like when we released the, uh, the uh, AIDS virus in Vietnam, when we released the AIDS virus as a test in New York on the subways, how do people not understand how evil governments are? And, and, and then, well, it's difficult for them, so it's even more difficult for them to entertain the idea that the agendas that are delivered by governments are actually not their agendas, like Rishi Sunak in London, the idiot Leo Varadkar in Dublin, they're just the front men. They deliver the agenda on behalf of an unseen hidden hand. And that's the thing I, I think we'll, we'll struggle to our dying days to help people understand that these are front men and women, all of them, including Trump, Biden, Absolutely. Obama, all of them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, every issue that doesn't get resolved is because they don't want to. No. Okay, they give us the distractions every day. You know, this is today's distraction. It's going to be migrants. Tomorrow's is going to be pronouns. Tomorrow is going to be the Barbie movie. Yes. I mean, while people are killing themselves over these ridiculous things, they have no idea how close we're coming to a prison existence for those who actually survive or the ones they let live. The, wor the worker bees. You know, now you've got these new ticks. I don't know if you've seen the stories. Uh, ticks that are supposedly, and they, the Congress is asking now if they were bioengineered, like we have mosquitoes. They, uh, these ticks, for some reason, if you get a bite from them, you become allergic to eating red meat. Okay, 
Now, to me as a vegetarian, I don't see that as a problem. But to people who like red meat, I would think it's a problem. Now, after the fact, Congress wants an investigation to see if these ticks were genetically engineered because they would ge- they have genetically engineered mosquitoes. They B- released billions Billy of Gates. them in Florida. Billy Gates. And now Florida has malaria. And guess guess what else, Richie? Leprosy. Leprosy okay. is back in Florida. You're kidding me. Right. Leprosy and malaria. And all I could think of was, did Lazarus come back from the grave? Uh, and that's a little biblical reference. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because that's the last time I heard of leprosy was when Jesus cured Lazarus. Okay. And it didn't matter that the people didn't want these uh, genetically engineered mosquitoes released. They did it anyway. So I don't know what else to tell people. You know what I'm saying? It's like people say, Maria, why don't you why don't you cover this? Why don't you interview that? I said, I've already covered that to death. It's in my archives. I don't want to talk about it again. Do you know what I mean? By the way, I've got to I hate to do this because of your big brain, but I'm gonna do it anyway. You won't believe it. A great friend of mine recently presented me with a copy of the King James Bible. Would you believe that? To read. A friend of mine who um is very interested in Christianity and spirituality. So I've got to tell you. The leper who was cured by Jesus was Simon the leper. Simon was cured. Because well, uh, I read the Bible. Uh, I, read well, it, I read it in three weeks. Lazarus uh, was, was raised from the dead, wasn't he? Yeah, but I thought he was the one with the leprosy. He might too. have been. He, Maybe I, I'm, I'm wrong. Listen, I gave up on the Bible when I was 29 years old. Okay. The Bible should be banned. No okay. way. We can't ban the Bible. And by the way, I, my tongue was in my cheek when I was correcting <laughs> you there. My tongue was in my cheek. No, let's well, not. You know, let's well, not. you know, in certain states now, because of the book bans, uh, they're asking that the Bible be banned because it's violent and full of sexual stories, too. And one state, one place, I think it was in Utah, that uh, one town that actually got that passed. I know you don't it's really want the Bible band, to be banned. You know, the Bible, the Bible is a beautiful like book. Kill a mockingbird, etc. Why yeah. not the Bible? Well, the Bible. I, I, yeah, you, you, yeah, I hear you. It's yeah, you're being, you're not being literal. I hear exactly what you mean. But we can't ban the Bible. We love the Bible. I'm enjoying reading passages from the Bible actually now. <laughs> now that I have the Bible. Yeah, well. I, listen, I had the Bible shoved down my throat for 29 years. Yeah, so did I. Well, and, not for 29 uh, the years. The only but. thing I got out of it, and when I mentioned it to the elders in my religion when they were talking about the end of the world and Armageddon and all this crap, I said to them, but the Bible says God is love. Yeah. And they told me, you're just a girl. You don't know what you're talking about. And I said, well, I know the Bible says God is love. And if that's the case, none of that's going to happen. Yes, but it could also be argued that reading the book of Revelation today might be like reading the front page of the Telegraph newspaper. Well, anybody could, but it's the happening. revelations were actually written for the times it was written. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we got a lot of biblical plagues happening. And then I saw that scientists who have nothing better to waste their time and money on have revived some kind of worm from I don't know how many, you know, centuries ago. And I'm thinking to myself from the melting ice, by the way, and I'm thinking to myself, well, we don't have enough plagues happening on this planet all at once. It's like Jurassic Park and Armageddon met in one movie. I've got to do this because I'll get killed if I don't do this. But you I don't want you to get killed. No, no, afterwards they'll hammer me for not mentioning this. 
um, it's it's good for you because this tick, this weaponized tick, um, this came up in 2019. It was reported in The Guardian on Tuesday, July 16th, 2019. This is when it began a call for an investigation in, we- in whether Lyme disease, which was showing up again, had its roots in a Pentagon experiment in weaponizing ticks. So the first oh, we yeah, heard... that was on uh, Plum Island. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. On Long Island. I reported that yesterday. And it's funny because right, you could see Plum Island from a parkway where all us teenagers used to park our cars to get stoned or make out. Okay. And we would all look at that island across the water and wonder what was there, but no one knew. It was like top secret. Yeah. Uh, And and I reported that yesterday, but here's one bigger than better than that, because I repeated this sentence a few times on my show to make sure it got through. They discovered what they call an illegal bio lab in California, okay, in a little dipshit town called Reedley. Listen to this one sentence. It had over 900 mice genetically engineered to catch and carry the COVID-19 virus. You're kidding me. And then, oh, all kinds of other diseases and viruses and vials and chemicals and and God knows what. The second day of that story, then they changed the title, Richie, to China-linked biolab. China-linked. And this is in a, what did you call it, a dipshit town called Reedley or something like that? R-E-E-D-L-E-Y, California. And I took that off their local paper. So people want to go Reedley, California. Uh, and Google that, feel free to do it, okay? But again, 900 mice genetically engineered to catch and carry the COVID-19 virus. And these are the same people that made uh, COVID-19 tests and pregnancy tests. And I warned people, you don't know what's in that swab you're putting up your nose. Yeah, you said that from day one. And these are the same people who are developing vaccines which will spread from the person who took the jab to the refusenik like you and me, the self-spreading vaccines, these nutcases. The lunatics oh, yeah, are in charge. They call, it, they call it shedding. Yeah, yeah. So I stay away from anybody that's had a vaccine, even if it's a flu vaccine. Don't come near me for three days because I know it's live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But people still want to believe that their government cares about them because they don't want to accept a depopulation agenda. No, because I think, and I'm going to give you the final word because we've got about two minutes left. I think the real reason for this, or at least the roots of this, are in people are scared at the realisation they might have to do something about it. That's what scares people. It's it's easier to ignore it than accept it's happening and accept that you might need to to do something. I'm giving you the final word. And before I do, you've been listening to Maria Heller. That's been a quick hour, my God. Uh, Check out Maria's archive and her daily shows at Maria, M-E-R-I-A dot net. Nobody's been speaking to me on the radio as long as you have. 
So that's um, a wonderful thing. Thanks for coming back. What do you say to that little um, nugget there? I think they are too scared to accept it's happening because they they, they realize they have to do something. I'll I'll tell you what I tell people like that. First of all, I want to let your audience know that you'll be on my show Friday. On Friday? I can't wait. about that. Uh, But what I tell people is on a soul level, if choosing to do nothing is still a choice, and you will pay for it. We live and die by our choices. No better place to leave it today, I don't think. Thanks for coming back on. I can't wait for Friday. We'll have a good chat. We'll put the world to rights again on Friday. Yes, and, we uh, will. Have a great day. How how hot is it there now at the moment, by the way? Well, inter- where I live, we're only going to hit 88 today and have rain. But in the valley, they made uh, 31 straight days of up close to 118 degrees every day. Wow. That's hot. The saguaro trees are dying. That's how hot it is. Well, hopefully, it well, it's come to an end. The worst of it has come to an end anyway, hasn't it? And hopefully... Um, oh, no, that, not for Phoenix, no. They're good for another month or two. And that's pretty much annual. We'll talk about this on Friday. We'll talk about this next time okay. you're on. Maria, thanks again. Absolutely brilliant. Enjoy the rest of your, your, your day there in, uh, in Arizona. And um, until Friday, bye for now. Take care. Cheers, Maria. The great Maria Heller, live on the Richie Allen Show, Monday's edition. Top, top lady. Check out maria.net for the archive for the daily programmes. Um, great stuff. That's about it for today's programme. Thanks for all the messages as it came in. I really appreciate them. Um, just a couple of quick ones before we go. Uh, hi, Seamus. Uh, brilliant stuff again with Maria. Missed Ryan. I'll catch him on catch up. Thanks for that. Patricia came back to say it could be argued Americans have no clue about anything that matters. They just don't have the time, which is, of course, exactly what the powers that shouldn't be want. That is what they want. Christine says, Richie, God is love, but he does give people free will. Thank you, uh, Marie. Uh, Christine even Marie came on to say that her boyfriend is challenging her because he supports Trump and Trump's presidency and disagrees with Maria I've told him to call in on the next phone in absolutely call in on the next phone in it'll be nice to hear uh, a different take a different point of view I like it right now that's kind of it for me let me just tell you before I go England managed to bowl Australia out in an incredibly exciting game of cricket. Stuart Broad, the retiring medium-fast bowler, Stuart Broad, took the final wicket. 3.34 all out. If you're into your cricket and you're listening to me, wonderful, wonderful series of... uh, The Ashes series has been wonderful, apart from the washed-out Old Trafford test. I'm going to watch the highlights now while I have a beer. That's what I'm going to do. Thank you so much to Ryan Christian, thelastamericanvagabond.com. Thank you, Ryan. And thanks to my great pal, Maria Heller. Uh, check her out at maria.net, M-E-R-I-A.net. Closing out with Fairport Convention. See you tomorrow. Bye.